Welcome to the British Sports Car Podcast. Join me, Sarah, and Nick, our resident sports car expert, as we bring you all the latest news from the top tiers of British motorsport, including British GT, GT Cup and Brick Car, as well as British motorsport interests from around the world. British GT News. Good evening and welcome to From the Racetrack, the episode after race day for British GT at Alton Park. The first two rounds of the championship and what a day of racing it was. Uh, throughout all the support classes as well, the weather really threw a spanner into the works. Now, what that means is we've got quite a bit to talk about. We've also got a number of driver interviews that were taken during the day by myself out in the paddock. So I'm going to give the warm up a complete miss in this episode. Two reasons for that. One, it's only a 10 minute session to get used to the car and to just check everything's still working after qualifying. And two, it really was... The, the session wasn't part of the day in terms of the weather and in terms of getting to grips with Alton Park. So we're going to give that one a miss. Let's go then straight in to race one, round one of the 2023 Intelligent Money British GT Championship from Alton Park. And it was a thriller. So Alton Park arrived on Easter Monday. We got there and the weather was pretty good and throughout the day it, it got a bit variable. But the big news as the race day started was a revised balance of performance which had been handed down from the technical people at the SRO which changed the fortunes of a number of cars. Now this is all due to the performance that was shown by a couple of the new cars um, what actually happened was they gave the new um, Lamborghini Urcan GT3 Evo 2 a 10 kilo weight reduction but the two two of the cars that raced last year the Mercedes AMG GT3 Evo uh, two seas motorsport Ram racing and Greystone running that particular car and the non-Evo car of team ABBA racing an additional 15 kilograms of ballast because the Mercedes was pretty darn quick in qualifying. The BMW M4 GT3 also got a bit more weight. That was 10 kilos that was given, along with a change to the throttle map on that car. We don't quite know what that change was designed to do, but it didn't do a massive amount to impede the pace of the BMW. In GT4, um, there were a few more changes going on. BMW M4 got a change as well, but that, again, was just a throttle map, so we don't know what that was designed to do. The Academy Motorsport Ford Mustangs were given 15 kilograms of ballast added to the cars and an increase to the front of the car, the ride height, um, sorry, correct myself, a decrease of five millimeters. Now, that would have increase the rake angle on the car so that's the difference in height between the front of the car and the back of the car it gives the rear wing that slightly higher attack angle uh, so the rear wing generates a little bit more downforce and given the weather conditions it was probably a welcome change the mclaren artura gt4 got absolutely hammered by this bop change they upped the weight by 10 kilograms on the car raised the front of the car by five millimeters and the rear by 10 and they also changed air restrictors and mapping on the engine to change the amount of power it delivered. And as you'll hear when we speak to the guys from Race Labs uh, GT4 entry later on, that it had quite a significant effect on the GT4 McLarens. Uh, 
So what happened in the race then? Uh, first of all, it was an absolute... It was a gamble as to which tyres you went on and which tyres you didn't. Uh, this was also the case in the Formula 3 race before where we had... It was almost farcical, the start of, uh, of this race, because we had most of the grid came into the pits on one of the formation laps, which meant that the gr cars gridded up and only half the grid was there. And the half the grid that was there was on the wrong tyres, so they're going to get absolutely destroyed by the guys that pitted to new tyres on the formation laps, which then were allowed to take their grid spots back, so they delayed the start. Um, it was just, it was messy. It was very, very messy indeed. So we look then at the results of the race, and it was interesting throughout in, in the GT, British GT race. Um, one, absolutely, you couldn't have written this better, by James Cottingham and Johnny Adam from Pole. Now, why you couldn't have written this better? Johnny Adam, well known as the most successful driver in British GT history in terms of championship wins. He claimed four titles so far in his career, and he's not destined to claim a title this year because the car that he's driving is shared with James Cottingham. James is doing every round of the championship. Johnny is missing two of the endurance races due to Aston Martin factory commitments. This was, however, Johnny Adams' 100th race start in British GT. Uh, the team had some special decals on the car to commemorate that, and everybody was quite excited to see what would happen when the car started from pole position. Now, the race was a bit of a nail-biter, um, particularly towards the end, because... Johnny Adam had the lead after James Cottingham had driven an absolute blinder, handed over in the pit stops. We had a number of cars that were chasing. We had Beach Dean Motorsports, Ross Gunn in the Aston Martin Vantage AMR GT3 behind. We also had Enduro Motorsport of Morgan Tilbrook and Marcus Clutton. Marcus Clutton is a factory, a, a circuit pro uh, for Alton Park. As, as one of his day jobs. So he knows the place like the back of his hand and he came on really strong. Nobody knew where this car turned up from. It just arrived in the lead fight. Um, but the battle raged for a few laps. Ross Gunn um, was attacking the Mercedes AMG GT3 from 2C's Motorsport. Um, he dropped back a little bit which enabled Marcus Clutton to get the upper hand. Marcus Clutton got into second and was chasing down the lead. Somewhere along the lines, Ross Gunn managed to get back um, in front. And the last corner pretty much decided it as both the Mercedes and the Aston Martin went wide at Lodge Corner. Now, the weather conditions were deteriorating at that point. So it could have been the weather, it could have been a little bit of red mist, but they both very nearly ran off the circuit. They gathered it back up and they managed to cross the line in the order of number four, two C's Motorsport, Johnny Adam winning his 100th race. And it's his first time winning a race in British GT in a car that doesn't have an Aston Martin badge on it as well. So one definitely to remember. Then we had the number 97 Beach Dean Motorsport, Aston Martin, Vantage, AMR GT3 of Andrew Howard and Ross Gunn. Enduro Motorsport rounded out the podium, Morgan Tilbrook and Marcus Clutton in the McLaren 720S GT3 Evo. Fourth place went to the defending champion, Ian Loggy, the second of the two seas motorsport cars. This car carrying the number one in honour of Loggy's win last year. Obviously another Mercedes AMG GT3 Evo with John Ferguson and Raffaele Marciello in fifth place uh, in another Mercedes-AMG GT3, this one run by Ram Racing. The number 91 Century Motorsport BMW of Darren Leung and Dan Harper, they finished in sixth place. 
with 7th place taken by Optimum Motorsports, Mark Radcliffe and Rob Bell, another McLaren 720S GT3 Evo. Behind them was the similar car of Race Lab, the number 13, Lucky Kera and Ewan Hankey, with Paddock Motorsports' non-Evo McLaren of Mark Smith and Martin Plowman in 9th place. 10th place rounding out the top 10 was Ian Campbell and James Kell in the second race lab, uh, the number 42 McLaren 720S GT3 Evo. Now, talking to Ewan Hankey after race two, uh, found out that they didn't get the Evo kits until Wednesday for these cars. So these are very, very newly updated cars indeed, and an absolutely stunning result for them. The Silver Am win was that number 42 Ian Campbell and James Kell driven car with second place in the class going to Kevin Say and Chris Frogger for Sky Tempesta Racing in the number 93 McLaren Evo. Third place in the GT3 Silver Am class went to Mark Sansom and Will Tregertha. They were in the number 72 Barwell Motorsport Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo. Now this car finished the race a lap down. Uh, the reason for that was a wheel nut failure on the car on the final lap, which forced uh, forced the car to come to the pit lane rather than complete the final lap. But that was resolved ready for race two. In GT4, it was an absolutely stunning result for Academy Motorsport. Now, they did get a little bit lucky here with safety cars. Um, there were a couple of safety cars during the race. Um, mainly, the one that really springs to mind is for the Team ABBA Racing Mercedes AMG GT3, which was hit from behind by a GT4 car. We believe it to be the GT4 race winning Academy Motorsport Ford Mustang, uh, which put it on the grass coming up through Water Tower and heading on towards Druid's Corner. Uh, now, it had been raining quite heavily at this point. The grass was fairly well saturated. It offered no traction to the Mercedes, which bounded across the grass, cut straight across the track in front of Raffaele Marciello, who thankfully stopped on the the brakes and didn't hit the, the number eight. Sam Neary then got spun around in the gravel trap at Druids and beached facing back the way he'd come. The car had to be recovered and quite impressively, all it took was a Land Rover to do it with. I thought it was going to need... Uh, a JCB or something like that, but no, a Land Rover is more than enough car to complete that task. Um, but as I say, this Academy Motorsport number 62, Will Moore and Matt Nickel Jones behind the wheel of the Ford Mustang GT4. Um, as part of that safety car procedure and the, the, the way that the laps were counted through the safety car and when they came in and pit stops and this that, and the other managed to get an entire lap over their nearest rival. And it was the nearest rival that wasn't going to fight too hard to get that lap back. This is the number 61 car. Again, Academy Motorsport, this time with Matt Cowley and Eric Evans sharing the driving in this car. They finished second in the GT4 class, 4.85 seconds clear of their nearest rival, which was Michael Kreese and Thomas Holland in the Janetta G56 GT4 of Raceway Motorsport. This is a number 55 car. Uh, Century Motorsport had a better uh, Monday even than their Saturday. Michael Johnson and Chris Salkeld in the number 14 finished one place behind Carl Cavers and Lewis Plato in the number 22. They took uh, 20th and 21st overall, which was 5th and 6th in GT4. But it was... Uh, second and third in the GT4 Pro-Am class. So a good result for them in their class. Paddock Motorsport, Kavi Jandu and Tom Rawlings, the number seven McLaren Archera GT4, finished in 22nd place. 23rd place went to Ottman Motorsport, Jack Brown and Charles Clark. They received a single place penalty, 
because they gained an unfair advantage uh, with Team Parker Racing, Zach Meakin and Daniel Vaughan. The number 18 Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 RS Club Sport in 24th place. 25th DTO Motorsport, Aston Miller and Josh Rowledge, another McLaren Artura. Ahead of One Motorsports, Mercedes AMG for Michael Broadhurst and Ed McDermott. Drive Tax, um, Mercedes AMG for Sam Mayer-Lochnan and James Wallace. And then rounding out the top 10 in GT4 was Team Brit, Aaron Morgan and Bobby Trundley. Uh, going through the classes here, the top car in GT4 Silver was the, re the race winning Academy Motorsport car. Second place went to the second place Academy Motorsport car. And then the third third place car in silver was the penalised Optimum Motorsport car of Jack Brown and Charles Clark. That means that Raceway Motorsport won in Pro-Am with the two Century Motorsports placing second and third. The GT4 Am entry. This is a Toro Verde GT car of Ian Duggan and James Townsend. It's the only car entered in the class. It finished in 30th place ahead of its teammate car for Joe Wheeler and Esme Hawking. The number 80 car had a bit of a race to forget. Early on it had the there was some form of of, of collision at one of the restarts. There were a couple of safety cars during the race. Now that collision on the start finish straight completely removed the bonnet of the the Janetta G56 GT4. Um, so that was left lying on the pit straight and a brave marshal had to run out and retrieve it as the cars were around the other side of the circuit. Shortly before the pit window, it had to come in and replace a tyre because they got a puncture. Um, and when I saw the car in the paddock between the two races, it oh, it looked like it had been to war. And there were team members all around the front end of it with crowbars and hammers and a very concerned looking Esme Hawkey uh, looking at the front of her car and almost looking like she was wondering whether she would get to drive it again today. Um, so they had a bit of a race to forget. So too did the race lab number 29 car, Ian Goff and Tom Wrigley. Uh, they got hit up the back by a BMW. They got a Janetta turn across the front of their car and do some damage to the front bumper headlights and bonnet area. And they also got sandwiched between a couple of GT4 cars at a narrow bit of the circuit. So their nice shiny new livery was looking very secondhand when I saw it. One of the two different instances of contact at the front of the car bent the, the hub assembly on the McLaren Artura, which eventually forced their retirement. Orange Racing by JMH was another car which was forced to retire but made the classification. They ended up beached in the gravel. And then in the not classified section, we have R Racing of Josh Miller and Seb Hopkins, the number 23, Aston Martin Vantage AMR GT4. They were involved in a contact very early on on the second lap of the race which punctured the oil cooler, the oil catch tank on the car. The team uh, pulled the car in straight away after the contact, saw that it was dropping oil and retired it on the spot, which saved the engine, but it did mean that they didn't score in the first round. Uh, team Abba Racing, we've already discussed, they got beached in the gravel after a contact round at Water Tower. And then Enduro Motorsport got pretty much to the end of the opening stint of the race they were 14 laps down by the end of the race this is the number 17 the mclaren archira gt4 for harry's nun and george uh, that car pulled up at the side of the track at the warwick bridge uh, spoke to the team in the time between race one and two and it turns out that it was an oil pressure issue um, they withdrew the car from race two. So it was obviously pretty serious and I'm guessing the engine might have had some damage as a result of that because an oil tank you can fix, uh, oil pressure system you can usually fix when the engine's cooked. That's what you can't fix in about two or three hours. We do have just a little bit of talking to people 
after race one. So I got the chance to speak to Johnny Adam and I also got the chance to speak to Ross Gunn, the cars that finished first and second. So let's first of all hear what Johnny Adam had to say about winning his 100th British GT race. We spoke at the start, well, before the start of the race, um, your 100th race in British GT. Yep. Looking from pole for something kind of special, were you anticipating what happened? No, I didn't know it was going to be that exciting, really. I knew it would be a close race, but I didn't, well, we expected the rain to come at some point, and for sure, the, the boys got the, the tyres absolutely spot on, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was tricky. First guy out there on the slick, kind of, as a reference, is hard to control, but... Every lap was changing and it was getting worse, you know, every single lap. In the last corner, the grip was zero, you know. So when Ross went to the outside, it was it was going to be, uh, yeah, hopefully try and break and try and keep him at bay. But it looked like both of us nearly slid off by doing it. But that's the way the circuit was changing every lap. But, yeah, overall, super happy for the team. Um, and just nice for James to start a championship uh, campaign with a win as well. Was it you useful almost to have the car you know best as the one that was trying to take it from you yeah in a way i mean it's great to see them fast they're super fast this weekend and just driving well and ross has always been a you know a super fast driver within aston but um it's tricky because you know i know the strengths and weaknesses of that car inside out and i knew when in the dry especially ross looked fast but when it got greasy you just have to have confidence and you have to have a bit of experience as well which is ross has got um so it was always going to be close but i just didn't want to take any risk out there and the last corner was risky but it was just the way the weather was changing you know to borrow a phrase from audi push without risk exactly. um which is something that James did really, really well at the start of the race. Yeah, super, super drive from James. He's been driven, he's driven so well all weekend. Never made mistakes and it was a clean stint. And uh, he just got a bit of a margin for me so we could box a lap later than others and, and do the tyre change. But yeah, great for him. I'm so happy I kind of chose to race with him and he's chose me. And we're working well as a partnership. The car's good, teams are uh, team spot on. So let's see what this year can unfold for him. Fantastic. Thank you. Congratulations. Ross Gunn, second place in the opening round of the championship, so very nearly first. What was it like out there and what was it like to be racing with somebody whose name so indelibly linked with the brand that you're racing for, Aston Martin? Yeah, it was uh, quite a surreal experience actually. We had uh, changeable conditions, um, we had uh, obviously a wet start and then the unknown in terms of what was the right tyre to go on. And then obviously I had Johnny to chase down who is obviously in different machinery this weekend um, and yeah it was it was a pretty pretty cool experience I was didn't really change much in terms of the how much we were pushing we were trying to go for the win at a certain point in the race we we had a, a good chance and um, just gave it everything on the last lap to try and uh, make it happen but just missed out well you were surprised as we were when an orange McLaren came past you a little bit yeah I mean those conditions where they're kind of like mixed conditions um, suit mid-engine cars a bit more than the front engine so I saw him come at us quite quickly um, and then I think to be honest I was being held back quite a lot by Johnny which kind of put me into his his grasp I, I could have gone a bit quicker than Johnny throughout the, the entire stint um, and you know that as I said that kind of put me into Clutton's grasp and um, in a way I gave him a shot at Johnny and he tried to to you know have a go but couldn't get it done so then on the last lap I just went all out to get back got him in turn one closed Johnny down in the rest of the last lap and then tried on the last lap and um, on the last corner and didn't quite work out but we'll go again in the second race second race you're going to have success seconds as a result of, of where you finished here is it going to be much of a handicap or is the weather going to be the great equaliser I think the weather will be the great equaliser expecting lots of rain now for, for the rest of the day um, so, you know, Alton Park is usually just about survival and getting through the round because everyone's new, it's a tight and twisty track and there's usually carnage. Um, so I think it's a case of just picking up some points again, not necessarily going all out like in race one um, and then trying to head towards Silverstone with, uh, you know, without a, a penalty, ideally, and um, a good shot there. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Cheers. Thank you. And Thank you. hopefully speak to you after the next one. So on to race two now and it was again another thrilling encounter uh, at the front of the the front of the grid the two Mercedes AMG GT3s of Ian Loggy and Jules Goonon for two seas motorsport Ram Racing's John Ferguson and Raffaele Marciello 
basically laid on an exhibition of how to drive really, really quick around Alton Park for most of the first part of the race. But there was a gap there um, when Raffaelli started trying to chase down Jules Gounon. And that was because the number 15 car, the Ram Racing Machine, started quite a bit further back on the grid than the 2C's machine. It was a really, really daring move at Shell Oils, which finally got the Ram Racing car past what was at the time the Century Motorsport BMW in second place uh, to hair off in pursuit of his Alphatabac teammate, Jules Gounon. Um, so let's... Uh, Let's talk through some of the highlights of this race then. Now, we discussed in the coverage of round one that there was a number of cars that had difficulties. All of them did get out for race two with the exception of the Harry Nunn and Harry George Enduro Motorsport McLaren Arturo GT4. That car was unable to be repaired at the racetrack after its oil pressure problem in race one and so was withdrawn from the entry. The Toro Verdi guys managed to get the number 80 car put back together in time to go out for the race. And when I say they managed to get it put back together, there was an awful lot of gaffer tape on the front of the car. But it did do rather well for a car that had been gaffer taped back together. But let's take a look briefly then at the, the battle at the front. And Jules Gounon shot off like the proverbial robber's dog as soon as the flag fell. Uh, the battles behind allowing him to make good his escape. As uh, soon as Raffaele Marcello carved his way through the traffic, he shot off in pursuit of the two-seas motorsport car and did a pretty good job of getting close, but showed his inexperience at Alton Park by trying a move that not many people would try. You'll hear from Ian Loggy later on exactly why it's not wise to go around the outside of a GT4 car at Lakeside. This is something that Raffaele Marcello learned really early on with a absolutely terrifying moment on the run down to Shell Oils. He was pretty much out of control on the grass, just managed to wrestle it away from the tyres and back onto the track. Only reason that didn't end badly was because Matt Nickel-Jones appeared to have eyes in the back of his head and saw the Ram Racing car coming and really slowed down more than he usually would, and placed his car so that Raffaelli could rejoin the circuit without having an impact. Um, it was one of those mistakes that only somebody that doesn't know Alton Park very well would make, but shows just how determined these factory drivers are to perform for the factory, for the teams they're working with, and for the amateur drivers who are ultimately paying their wages. It really was a battle of the, the factory drivers early on. Uh, Jules Gounon, Raffaele Marcello. By the end of the race, the order was Jules, Raffaele, Marvin Kershoffer. We had Johnny Adam, Ross Gunn, Dan Harper, Sandy Mitchell. The only factory driver not in that top eight, really, was Rob Bell in the Optimum Motorsport McLaren. But it isn't just a race about the factory drivers. The factory drivers started the cars and they did thrill. The conditions were started off okay, became appalling, got better, became more appalling again. Um, it really wasn't easy for any of these guys to perform at their best. But they managed to play, lay on a really, really good show. I'm not going to belabor this much more if you really want to know everything that happened you can go to the podcast website where live blogs of all the sessions this weekend free practice one two the qualifying sessions warm-up and both races are available on the Alton Park microsite which will remain in the top menu for at least another week uh, before we start working on building the microsite for Silverstone so I'm going to go through the results around two for you. And as I've said, the winning car was the two C's Motorsport Mercedes AMG GT3. Ian Loggy and Jules Gounon uh, sharing the driving for that car. Finishing 
32.209 seconds ahead of John Ferguson and Raffaele Marciello's Mercedes-AMG for Ram Racing. Reason for the big gap there was a drive-through penalty for a short pit stop, which John Ferguson had to serve in the second stint. Third place went to Garage 59, the number 88 McLaren 720S GT3 Evo. This was driven by Alex West and Marvin Kirschhofer. Fourth place went to the race one winners, the number four two seas motorsport Mercedes AMG GT3 Evo of James Cottingham and Johnny Adam with the number 97 Beach Dean Motorsport Aston Martin Vantage of Andrew Howard and Ross Gunn in fifth place. Sixth went to Darren Lung and Dan Harper in the Century Motorsport number 91 BMW M4 GT3. Ahead of Sean Balfe and Sandy Mitchell's number 78 Barwell Motorsport Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo 2. Paddock Motorsport finished in 8th place, the number 11 car of Mark Smith and Martin Plowman, the only non-Evo 720S GT3 in the field, with Orange Racing by JMH having a much better race the second time round. Kept it out the gravel in the number 67 McLaren the 720S GT3 Evo for uh, Simon Orange and Michael O'Brien to finish ninth in GT3 overall and GT3 Pro-Am. GT3 Pro-Am 10th place, GT3 overall 10th place then, is the number 27. Optimum most bought McLaren 720S GT3 Evo of Mark Radcliffe and Rob Bell. And I'm going to go... Uh, to the 11th place in the program class here race labs lucky carer and ewan hankey finishing in 11th place in the number 13 mclaren the number 42 mclaren 720s race labs second entry ian campbell and james kell claimed the victory in the gt3 silver am class ahead of team abba racing's richard and sam neary in the non-evo mercedes gt3 and Mike Price and Callum McLeod in the Evo version of the Mercedes, the number three Greystone GT entry. In GT4, it was it was almost a fairy tale story after a race one. Seriously, to forget and through not a lot of fault of their own, they were they, they got caught by a lot of other people's accidents in race one and took quite a lot of damage to their shiny new. McLaren Artura but the number 29 car the race lab entered McLaren Artura GT4 for Ian Goff and Tom Wrigley kept their nose clean in race two kept it on the island and won the GT4 class not just in Pro-Am but outright and by nearly nine seconds from Optimum Motorsports number 90 machine of Jack Brown and Charles Clark. DTO Motorsport finished in 19th place, which puts them third in GT4 overall. Aston Miller and Josh Rowledge, again, McLaren Artura GT4. It gives McLaren a 1-2-3 on their debut weekend in the championship with the new car. Um, but it also, if you look at the results, we have the Pro-Am car of Racelab and then two GT4 Silvers. So... The win in GT4 Pro-Am went to Race Lab. The win in GT4 Silver went to Optimum. Second in GT4 Silver, DTA Motorsport. And third in GT4 Silver went to R Racing with Josh Miller and Seb Hopkins in the Aston Martin Vantage AMR GT4. In the mix there as well, there was another GT3 Pro-Am, the Greystone GT car of Andre Borodin and Oliver Webb. Um, which just some of the cars really, really struggled in the conditions, and particularly with the AM drivers on board, it was really hard for some of these some of these cars to get the pace down as well. So that is the top three in GT4 silver covered, and we are so far fourth place in GT4. Fifth place in GT4 was another silver car. It was Drive Tack, uh, James Wallace and Sam Mayer-Lochnan in the Mercedes AMG GT4 number 50. With the number 18 Team Parker Racing Porsche Cayman, Zach Meakin and Dan Vaughan in 6th place, 5th in GT4 Silver. The number 61 Academy Motorsport Car Ford Mustang GT4, Matt Cowley and Eric Evans 
took six in silver, seventh in GT4 overall, with eighth place going to Raceway Motorsports, Freddie Tomlinson and Stuart Middleton. Of course, Raceway and Freddie Tomlinson means a Janetta G56 GT4. Ninth in GT4 overall, second in GT4 Pro-Am, went to one motorsport, Ed McDermott and Michael Broadhurst, sharing the Mercedes-AMG GT4 number 12, finishing ahead of the number 14, Century Motorsport, Michael Johnson and Chris Salkel-driven BMW M4 GT4, which rounded out the podium in GT4 Pro-Am. The GT4 Am runner, the Toro Verde GD car, GT car of Ian Duggan, and James Townsend, a Janetta G56 GT4, finished in 31st place overall, first and only car in GT4 Am. And they were just off the, the same lap as the GT4 leaders. And they were just behind Joe Wheeler and Esme Hawkey, their teammates in the number 80 car, which must be thinking that even finishing in ninth in GT4 Silver is an absolute reward after the damage that the car sustained in race one. Non-classifieds then, we have Enduro Motorsport, Morgan Tilbrook and Marcus Clutton. Uh, they had, well, they must have hit something. I, th I suspect it was the Sandy Mitchell and Sean Balfe Lamborghini somewhere in the early part of the race when there was nothing but spray you couldn't see anything because the car arrived in the pit lane shortly after the race started five laps in without a bonnet uh, we did have footage of the car running with a bonnet at a very very bad angle part way through the opening laps of the race so I'm guessing that the Lamborghini slowed down for a corner and the McLaren did not um, and that is the only non-classified car we have from the race because of course we've only got 35 cars on the result but the number 17 enduro motorsport car didn't take the start we can hear now from winner of the race ian loggy we can also hear from raffaele marciella and then we've got a trio of interviews from gt4 race winners race lab we've got both the drivers from the number 29 car and we talked to you and hanky about the differences and the similarities between the four different mclaren gt cars that we've seen because as far as i'm aware he's the only person on the grid that's driven them all in aiming to be the first am to defend the British GT title. How's the opening weekend been for you with regards to that? Off to a good start, obviously. Disappointed not to win the first race. I think we had a good chance of that, but uh, had a lock slip up in the, the pit stop. But we, we knew in that race, if it rained, we'd be really strong. And you've seen the pace that Jules had there. And then uh, I think uh, we ended up finishing the race 30 seconds in front. So. They told me we were 20 seconds in front at one stage and I knew that uh, I just had to bring it home basically but uh, we uh, opened that up to, to 30 seconds. It was a very strong drive from yourself. What was it like watching Jules and Raffaele going at it at the start because it was a Mercedes AMG demo at the front with everybody else having a race behind really wasn't it? Yeah amazing it shows you how good these uh, these factory drivers are and uh, I think uh, Lello and uh, Jules put on a, a big show and uh, yeah, Mr Gunon comes out the, uh, on top again, just keeping it calm and bringing it home, done a great job, I think six seconds in front or something at the, the, the pit stop, so really good. It does help when you keep it on the black stuff, uh, which unfortunately Raffaele wasn't, able, wasn't, wasn't necessarily able to do. Jules has been here before and uh, he knows that that... Uh, very fast left is the, the corner of uh, where it all goes wrong. And I think Marcello, I tried to overtake one of the GT4s around the outside, put a wheel in the grass. And if you do that here, it's a big problem. People really do discount Lakeside as a corner, don't they, until 
Yeah. I mean, I've only ever driven it on a sim, but going through it on a sim is a bit hair-raising. I'm guessing doing yeah. it when it can actually hurt. You get it slightly wrong, and if you if you if you try and overtake a GT4 round the outside there, and the GT4 drifts out a little bit, it leaves you no room. You put one the two wheels on the grass. It's. I tell you what, he done a great job not to crash. Like ninety-five uh, percent of people would have been in the tires there. He was massively helped by Matt Nickel Jones, who saw him coming and, and really slowed down on the way into Shell. Yeah, yeah um, if, they, if they hadn't been on on, yeah. the, on the ball at Academy, then it was going to be a quite a nasty accident, wasn't yeah. it? I'm going to say thank you very much because obviously <laughs> Jules is desperately trying to warm up here. But thank you very much. Congratulations to you both, thank you very and much. look forward to seeing you at Silverstone. Raffaele Margiello, uh, welcome to British GT, uh, welcome to Alton Park. How did you find it out there? Well, it's, a, it's a nice track, I mean it's so old style, so I like when it's like this, when there is a danger, yeah. Talking of danger, I was holding my breath as you were skirting towards those tyres down by Shell Oils. What happened there? I was, uh, I was overtaking a GT4 and I was a bit too much inside and I don't know, I touched the curb or water, I, I, have, to, I have to look the video and I lost a bit the car, went in grass, and yeah, luckily I avoided the wall. Now you and Jules were putting on basically a Mercedes AMG demo at the front while a race was happening behind you. Um, just talk me through those those opening laps and trying to chase down Jules. I mean, yeah, as I said, I had fun. Uh, I mean, we know the car is strong in wet. We struggled a bit more in in race one. I mean, even if they MG won the race, actually we saw the pro driver. We were not so quick as. BM or, or Russell Martin, so I mean, in wet the car is strong, so we, we were able to pull away. Next time out is Silverstone, it's a circuit that you've raced on before, whereas this is new to you, isn't it? The Alton Park no, is new yeah, to you. Yeah. Okay, is I mean, you'd have done Portimao as well, weren't you? I drove Portimao. Yeah. But have you done any of the British circuits before? Past brands? Mm, brands, yeah, yeah, last year. So, so we're heading back towards circuits that you've done before now, is that going to make it any easier for you or was it pretty quick getting up to speed here? No, it's the same, it's just a new corner to learn, so it's not so bad. Fantastic, thank you very much Raffaele and congratulations on a good weekend, good starting weekend. Tom, Tom Wrigley of the Lions Barber Collective, Fast R, um, one of the most liveried cars on the grid. Wasn't looking too pretty when I came in here about an hour before the race. It wasn't, mate. But it doesn't need to be pretty to be quick, does it? No, it doesn't, mate. It was a real turnaround of events. Um, had a shocking race one, just loads of contact, got battered and bruised. Ended up having to retire, so obviously a bit between our teeth for race two. We really wanted to get back up there. Um, we knew the car had pace, so it was just nice to get out of the front, clear off, hand it over to Ian. He did an amazing job, absolutely smashed it. And uh, yeah, overall win. And Pro-Am victory as well, so amazing. Starts off your season quite well with regards to, to the championship. On the subject of the conditions, changeable I think is probably the best way to describe both races today. Yeah, changeable, uh, horrendous as well, I'd say the same thing, it was just so slippy out there. Um, every lap was, yeah, it was so much spray, it was really tricky, um, but we kept it on the island, once we got out front it was just nice to put in those good laps. I think we got a fast lap of the race as well, so for GT4s, so yeah, it was good, the pace was there and I, I loved it. Your previous experience is in Ginettas, isn't it? Ginettas and Porsche, they're racing the Carrera Cup GB for two years, 2017-18. Uh, Had some wins in that as well, so but yeah, we know how to get on the track, but it's, it's super competitive out there today. How does, I mean, you've got obviously Ginettas, which are sort of GT 4.2, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got the Carrera Cup, which yeah. is like GT 3.5. Yeah, it is, yeah. Where does the Artura fit in that in terms of your experience? Um, it's an easier car to drive than the Cup car, for sure. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, there's a lot more drive rage and it's a lot more friendly than a cup car. And I think the cup cars, you just have to rely on just raw ability and, and the competitiveness of the championships, unbelievable. You know, the cars are so similar, everything's the same. So I'd, I'd like to say it's easier, but then it's also a very competitive GT4 grid this year. So, yeah, it, it's somewhere in between the two. Uh, the year I did Ginetta uh, Super Cup was also a very competitive year. So um, uh, we, we can only be very happy with that. And final question, there's been a lot of talk about balanced performance this weekend and they have robbed some power from you. Was that almost a, a blessing in disguise when it came to the really tricky conditions? No, I mean, they took everything really. It was power, ride height, weight. Um, but, you know, it's um, 
it, yeah, I wouldn't say it was a blessing because it still wasn't a massively powerful car anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. If they're happy, we're happy. You know, just go racing. Let the, let the driving do the talking. Lobby the technical guys ahead of Silverstone because yes. you're going to get mullered on the hangar straight, aren't you? Oh, horrendous. It is going to be horrendous. But, you know, let's see what they do there. And if they, uh, they're as nice putting it back as they were taking it, we'll see. Well, congratulations to you. you Look forward to Cheers. seeing you at Silverstone. Well, hopefully we do the same yeah, again. Absolutely. Cheers. You. you and Angie, first of all, the real reason I pulled you over, you're one of the few people I know that's driven all of the McLaren GT cars. GT4, both the 720, sorry, the 570 with Mia. And yeah, I saw you had a go in the Artura at Media Day. Yeah. And then you've driven the two versions of the 720. Yeah. How do the new breed of cars compare to improve upon the old ones? Well, the Artura is in a fantastic car, first of all. It's like a mini GT3. It's everything the 570 wasn't. The 570 is very old now, so it served its purpose. But this is a new generation, so it's a pleasure to drive. GT3 Evo, yet to unlock the keys to the kingdom of that car just yet. I've been told it's got great potential. I've seen fantastic onboards from teams who have had their kits for some time. We, however, received ours on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, we don't know really what what's going on at the moment. Uh, so we're going to do some testing uh, in the next week or so, and we're going to get our teeth into it and understand it, and I hope it's going to be uh, a fantastic step up. Haven't seen the full results yet. How did you and Lucky get on? Uh, we were 8th in first one, I think, and then I think we are 10th or 11th there. But Ian and Ollie obviously have won the silver class for both races. It's a great start for them, isn't it? Yeah, Ian and James. James, oh, James my apologies. Yeah, yeah. I'm, no, I'm trying to remember the entry list off the top of my head at the first round. It's a bad idea. No, it's <laughs> awesome. I mean, for me, it's a proud moment. I mean, I've basically uh, put together all of Race Lab. Um, so it's been a real joy to see, A, them have two silver wins in GT3 and obviously the GT4 overall win and the class win is really helping put Race Lab on the map. A brand new team for this year, um, stepping up really to the big leagues. So we're, we're over the moon. And competing with the big boys of GT racing in both categories. I mean, you're up against Garage 59 in GT3, Academy, Century, Optimum in GT4. It, it's not an easy series to cut your teeth in, is it? Definitely not. I mean, those teams are well-oiled machines, very successful, and have been doing it for a long time. This is the first weekend that all these bunch of guys have been put together. Some of them have never met one another before. So it really is the baptism of fire. They've risen above it. They've been amazing, and I'm extremely proud of them. And I hope we can build and grow and get bigger and better and, you know, faster. Well, congratulations to all the drivers. Congratulations to yourself on putting together, obviously, what is going to be a formidable weapon for, for, for this year. Um, look forward to seeing more at Silverstone. Thank you. Cheers. So, thank you for taking the time to listen to From the Racetrack from the opening two rounds of the 2023 Intelligent Money British GT Championship. I do hope you found it useful, informative, slightly entertaining. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast on whichever player you use to receive your podcasts. If you fancy giving us a like or a nice little review, we'd be ever so grateful to receive it. And if you have any suggestions, questions or problems, do feel free to get in touch. You can email show at britscpodcast.co.uk or we are britscpodcast on all social medias. You can get us on there as well. I'd like you as well, please, to take a look in the show notes. And the reason for that is there's information in the show notes for this episode and for the From the Racetrack from Saturday about a couple of charity things that are going on in the paddock. Now, if you want to, you've got a couple of days left to enter a raffle, which will allow you the chance to win a VIP experience for two people to Silverstone, thanks to Century Motorsport. This is a raffle, £5 to enter via PayPal, so you don't even need to phone up and speak to somebody to buy a ticket. But you can win this VIP experience and support a local cat rescue charity to the guys at Century Motorsport. Uh, it is a cause rather close to the Freak family's heart, and oh, it gives you a chance to, to do some good whilst getting a little bit of a, a special experience at the biggest race of the year the Silverstone 500 which is coming up next 
While you're there, you can also go and take a look at the Lions Barber Collective, which is in the paddock at every UK round of the British GT Championship this year. They're doing haircuts, uh, free haircuts for for men to to raise awareness of men's mental health. They had a racing simulator there today. You could pay £10 for 10 minutes and set your best time on the track, racing against a time that has been set by one of the drivers in the team as well. And I can tell you, because I sat in that barber's chair today, they do a pretty good job. I'm, I'm quite happy with the way my hair looks after a round at British GT. So details of both of those charity uh, initiatives will be in the show notes for this episode. For now, all that is left is for me to say thank you very much for listening. We look forward to talking to you again soon. And as a special treat, there is some ambient audio after this episode taken from the racetrack at the side of the Clay Hill water tower area of the track during free practice one on Saturday. So turn the sound up, enjoy the noises of the engines and we'll speak to you before Silverstone. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the British Sports Car Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on socials at BritSC Podcast. This podcast is a Storm Vixen created production in conjunction with RPS Driven Media.